Welcome to the sermon podcast of First United Methodist Church of Round Rock. We hope that this message offers meaning to your life. We invite you to join us in worship on Saturday evenings at 5.30 p.m. or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9.40, or 11 a.m. Each service is unique in style and format. May God bless you and your day. Uh, the, the, the combined budget for the first five Mission Impossible films was $650 million. Uh, it had a box office yield of $2.8 billion. So quite a profit. Uh, you know, uh, we are a uh, stargazing uh, kind of culture, and it, it affects... Uh, not only what we see, we're affected by what we see in the movies and what we hear in our music, and it even affects our politics. But the question becomes, uh, what difference for good is it making in people's lives? What if you and I are called to be part of a mission possible that doesn't cost people to become part of it and really doesn't cost us that much to share it either? And so I've entitled the sermon for this morning, uh, Mission Possible, and Tom Cruise is not the star. Uh, this passage of scripture that Anne read is often called the Great Commission, which means it's, it's our marching orders that come from Jesus, and they're, they're for all of us. It's also often called by some people the Great Omission, because it's something we talk a lot about in the church, but it's not something we put into action on the other six and a half days of the week too much, because uh, it can be tough. I know you're going to be surprised about this, but uh, our praise band doesn't just get together and pray back there five minutes, and then it all just happens, voila. They, they actually practice. Uh, they, they get here very early, around 7, 7.30. They get here, and they begin preparing and getting ready uh, for this service. Uh, they take care of things like uh, rhythm and pronunciation and strategizing of what songs they will sing and in what order and, and, and how they can be best communicated. But after all the practice is done, they put it at risk with you. And here's the thing we know, that neither for Jacob or Regina or Brian when he's here or any of the band members, none of them carry it out perfectly when it's out here with you. Aren't you glad that's not true of Sunday school teachers and preachers? <laughs> no, the, the truth is that it is put at risk, but the truth is they didn't get together for things just to finish in practice. It was to be put at risk in us. And so we even then, when you think about doing this, this sharing our faith uh, with people outside the walls of the church, it, you know, one of the things in practice, it's safe. But, and even when we share our faith with each other in Sunday school and, and in our worship services and our Bible studies, that's safe. But as soon as we go outside the doors of the church, it's not so safe. I mean, what if I turn somebody off? Uh, what if uh, somebody asks me questions that I can't answer? 
Most of all, what if I don't live up to the things that I say I believe? And that's going to be true for all of us because we're human. And so I love the honesty of Scripture when it says that as they gathered with Jesus on the mountain that some believed and some doubted. And we know that's true. We know that John believed right away. We know that uh, uh, Peter took a little while and Thomas took a long while. A mixture of belief and doubt. As we're called and given our marching orders to share our faith outside the walls of this church, uh, aren't we that mixture of belief and doubt? It's true for me. You know, and belief and doubt, sometimes the reason we have these doubts even is we want to make sure we've got it all together when we share our faith. We want to make sure we can know enough. But the truth is, we never will. And, and so this is a, a gospel that's given to us as we are, and we share our faith as we are with other people as they are, and that puts us on common ground with the people that we, were, that we share with. That's why I love the opening song that was sung, which none of the songs we sang today in this service were on the original plan, okay, because they were Brian-led, all right? So everything shifted, and I love the yearning on I will wait on the Lord that was so deeply expressed because it was in common with the world around us. And so when we are honest about where we are, warts and all, then it allows people to come to the Lord and experience God's grace, warts and all. We don't have to have it all together. The second thing that not only does it build a bridge with those we share, it's also true that God knows that already. God knows that we're a mixture of belief and doubt knows it better than we know ourselves, knows that in certain situations we'll swing to more doubt than we ever thought we would. And he still calls us. And he still believes in us. What that means is our lack of comp their lack of confidence as disciples did not let them off the hook, and, and it doesn't let us off the hook either. Some believed and some doubted, and still they had their marching orders. And so then Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. I mean, if, if we're going to have some marching orders, there needs to be somebody in charge, and Christ is the one in charge. Uh, this past week uh, in Christian Believer, one of the disciple-type courses, and it's one specifically on theology and what we believe, uh, we were talking about the lordship of Christ. The main motto, the marketing slogan of the early church was Jesus Christ is Lord. If you go to Philippians chapter 2, uh, you'll find right there the earliest hymn of the church in which says, He is Lord and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's saying that all authority is is God's. The authority over me, the authority over the church, and contrary to what it thinks, the authority over Congress. I mean, in the end, when Revelation gives us the picture, Jesus is Lord over, he's Lord of Lords, he's, he's over everything. And so Paul, when he was writing about his own life, he said he was the bond slave uh, of Jesus, that, that he had no rights to call his own. That he was a servant. 
Uh, G, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. Now there's a hidden blessing in this letting go of ourselves being in charge and letting Christ be in charge, and that is the one who is in charge and who knows us best and has given these, us these marching orders uh, is the one who believes in us all along. We're able to do it. And, and so all authority on heaven, of heaven and earth is given to me, and then he says, go. Uh, all from the very beginning, the ministry of the church has been one on the go. We think that the true fruits of a successful church is, is, is a full house with, with really fully funded budgets. And I work for that and dream of that, so do you. But I've got to tell you, if that's our main goal, we will fail Christ. I was in Fort Worth this week for a couple days of conference meetings, and so on the way back, as I was coming out of, of East Fort Worth from the conference office, uh, there was this uh, light that went off on my dashboard that said low tire pressure. So I pulled into a quick trip, and I noticed also I was a little less than half a tank, so I filled my car with gas, and then I had to wait on... Uh, somebody else, this, this gal that was full, filling the tires with air at the place. And, and so she had a leather jacket on, uh, was uh, uh, pretty young, so I'll, I'll say she was either a TCU student or a Texas Wesleyan student or maybe even a high school student. So she gets her tires uh, filled and I was kind of surprised she didn't just go over there and park and enjoy the peace that she had now that her tires were full. And I was thinking about the same thing, you know, when I got my, my car full of gas and I, I then got my tires full of air. You see, I have this right back tire that's got a slow leak. Isn't it true that we all have a slow leak? And so, but I could have gotten that all full and then just parked to the side for a while and enjoyed the peace that I was safe and, and, and could go sometime. But the truth was I hadn't gone there to fill up with gas so that I could just enjoy the safety and security of being full of gas. I had to be on the go to get back to my family and, and to be with you on this weekend. That, that was going to be part of what that was about. Sometimes we say in the church that it is the saving station. And, and sometimes it can be the place where people come to Christ. But I don't think we're really most of all the saving station. We are the filling station. We are the learning station. We are the welcoming station for what has happened on the other six and a half days of the week. Uh, but, but we are a place that comes together and then we put it all at risk on the other six and a half days of the week, and that's where the main action is. The action of faith is not mainly here where we are. So my question is, uh, how are you doing that? You see, we are uh, the in-the-flesh representatives of Christ. Uh, we are proxies for Jesus. 
and, and so we are this missionary movement, and, and we, are, we, we become the, the healing, reconciling, forgiving, uh, saving, new life-giving force in the name of Christ wherever we go. That's what we're called to. So I ask you, how are you doing that? How are you being part of that in your regular daily life? And, and so go and, Jesus says, make disciples. So who was he talking to when he said that? This is not real profound. Disciples, right? So he was telling disciples that they were to go and make disciples. The job was for them to replicate, to multiply. Now, for three years, Jesus had modeled how to make disciples. He preached a 20 to 30 minute sermon. He gave an altar call, and voila, they were disciples. Not. He walked along the Sea of Galilee and told them about possibilities that could be for them and invited them into friendship and relationship, and they walked with him for three years. They got together and he talked with them and, and they talked with him and they, uh, he, they watched him in action. They, they watched how his faith operated in the good times and in the challenges. And, and then uh, Jesus invited them to kind of try some of it on. And so they would pray with people and, and, and they would break the barriers that Jesus was breaking. And sometimes it was, it was with success and sometimes it was with failure. And finally then Jesus invited them to give their lives as disciple makers. They had been disciples in the making who became disciple makers. And that was the process. So the question then becomes, who's walking alongside you? Who are you building relationships with? So that they see how you tick. And they watch you in action in good times and bad. And they figure out, hey, maybe this is something I might like to do. And then you invite them to be in activities with you or you invite them to, to maybe even pray for you and, and draw on that faith in them. And, and they experience the ups and downs of that. And finally, maybe you get the opportunity to say, I wonder if you want to follow Jesus just as I am following Jesus. Go and make disciples. Disciples making disciples who make disciples. And then he says, of all nations. Now that would have been mission impossible to those disciples who heard that. All nations, really? We can only walk 150 miles in a, you know, in a week, in a real stressful week. It ain't happening. But history tells us that it did happen. You and I live in a generation where, uh, uh, in a global arena, where we can make disciples, all go into all the world and make disciples uh, better than any generation that has gone before. It's our biggest challenge and our biggest opportunity. But we also, and I wanted to give you a picture of this, it, it's also a time when the global village has come to our own door. And so I invite you to think about the mission field that is right outside of our church. And I want to begin by talking about some of the diversity that's sitting in our own communities right here in Williamson County, if you'd bring up that slide. 
Uh, these are in order of being the most diverse of our populations in Williamson County. Pflugerville is now 46% Anglo, so it is a minority uh, uh, community. Uh, Hutto and Round Rock are in a statistical tie. Hutto's 50.3% and Round Rock is 50.1%. Virtual split there uh, between minority and Anglo in our communities. Uh, Leander's 52.6, Georgetown is 62, and Cedar Park is 65% in the Anglo population, but the thing you're gonna to wanna to know is when you move to the school age population, the minority population goes up in percentage. Uh, and so this is rapidly uh, changing around us. And so what does it mean to, to be uh, a church like ours in a diverse mission field? I think it means being, uh, building bridges to people uh, of other backgrounds than ourselves. And we have some wonderful opportunities to do that. Uh, I, I'm reminded of the uh, pastor of, uh, in Dallas uh, of Lover's Lane Church who said, I'm not called to love everybody. I'm just called to love those that Jesus loves. You know, we're not called to reach everybody. We're just called to reach those that Jesus loves that are in our path. Now, I will say, sometimes our paths become self-isolating. We've been on the same path so long, we only see certain people. So some of us, just to, to get a little more excitement in our life, ought to change paths a little bit. But so, so that one is the ethnic diversity side of things in the bridge that we would need to be if we were to follow Christ more fully. So let's do it age-wise. No, that one's, we did that already. There we go. Uh, and, and so I, I just wanted you to see the average age in our communities. Georgetown being the oldest, that would probably doesn't surprise you. Followed by Cedar Park. Leander, look where Round Rock's sitting. And then there's Hutto. And TexasDemographics.com said this about Hutto, that the people in Hutto are getting younger. Give that some thought. Have they found the fountain of youth? I don't know. Uh, but the idea is here, again, how do we build a bridge to the next generation? We can be a pocket unto ourselves, but that's not our mission field. Our mission field has a diversity of ages. And, and I, I believe that as the United Methodist Church, the way we approach issues uh, the, the openness that we have. We have a gift to offer the next generation as they struggle through, uh, and, and we walk alongside them as they do. We need to package it differently. We need to open up and do things in different ways, and we need to allow them to help uh, shape how we do things and not just expect them to replace us and do things the way we've done them. But at the same time, there is a special gift that, that we have to offer. Go and make disciples of all nations. I know sometimes you look at these and say, it seems unlikely, it seems impossible, but that's what they said to Jesus, and it was possible. So why make disciples and, and put our faith and, and our comfort at risk? You know, I'm not a hell and damnation preacher. I, uh, I don't... Uh, I don't try to keep people out of hell when they die. I'm just not a fire and brimstone kind of guy. But I do believe life is hell without Jesus. And I believe life, in this life, there is heaven 
with Jesus because the opportunities of life open up in a whole new way. I can't imagine what it's like to have all my failures and my losses and my sins and my regrets just stacking up and never being able to unload it. You know, I can't imagine being stuck in my brokenness and having no way to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I can't imagine my future merely being a repeat of what has already happened and having no way out. But that's what people experience all around us. And the possibilities of what we offer in Jesus do make such a difference. The world desperately needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, everything is put together. And you have that gift working with you, in you, as a disciple in the making. A disciple in the making called to be a disciple maker. Uh, disciple making is both our highest, the biggest challenge and our highest privilege and the greatest gift we have to offer. And Christ promises in our scripture lesson that as we do that, he will be with us even to the end of the age. And I don't know what in, to the end of the age means. Lot, most people don't. Uh, some means until Christ comes again. Uh, some think it means until the job gets done. That's the, kind of, that's the one I, I tend to line up with so much. The call to make disciples, and he's with us in our successes and our failures, uh, in our uh, genuineness and in our hypocrisy, uh, even when we have to uh, adapt to so many changes, still with us. Yes, this is the mission possible. And Tom Cruise is not the star. But relax, you aren't the star either. Jesus is the star. And we are on the gospel stage playing a supporting role. And so as disciples in the making, we live the faith and they share the faith. We invite people to come along with us. We make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is God's plan. It's God's plan A and there is no plan B. So in the name of Christ, let's do this thing. And all the people said, Amen. Let's pray together. And so your call is going out to go and make disciples. And here we are in our faith and our doubts. And you call us anyhow. Lord, we ponder what it means that you have called even us just as we are, to meet people just as they are. So that they are never the same. Lord, help us see what may be holding us back. Help us to be patient with ourselves and patient with you. 
that we can take our time and watch you work like we never thought and know that as disciples in the making, we're not done yet and you're not done with us. And so, Lord, we just ask you to help us take the next step. Lord, we want to follow you. In the name of Christ, amen.